Welcome to Cleveland Moto, a vintage motorcycle podcast by people who wrench and ride. We'll be bringing you Vin Moto Chat each week, so sit back, relax, and crack a beer. Or play us over the speakers in your shop while working on your latest project. Cleveland Moto, here's your host, Phil Waters. And welcome to podcast number 11. We are... uh as live as podcasts ever get down in the basement here at the 45 Garage in Dustin's studio. Uh, tonight the lineup is Dustin Elliott, James Robertson, John Fresh, and hey. Phil Waters. And Shane, Shane is not here to defend himself, so Shane is officially open game. Wanker. Say whatever you want. All right. So uh, we're going to start the podcast out. I thought it'd be fun. We got some interesting emails. That's so nice to see people are writing in. Uh, the first one is great. I had to read this. In fact, we'll be framing this one i just uh, yeah how do you frame an email all right um i don't i'm not going to read this in the voice of the uh see you next tuesday that sent it but we're just going to read it i just got done listening to the last podcast and despite giving them more than one chance to impress they're just awful the swearing is completely uncalled for and it's the very come on really and it's the very lowest gutter humor that only the untalented and lowbrow resort to son of a all right, I don't want to swear. All right. God damn it. These sexual entendres are unneeded as part of a motorcycle broadcast. I found this group as part of the Scoot Cleveland group, and I'm very surprised to find your shop is wanting to be associated with such an offensive program. This will make me seriously reconsider doing business with your store and participating in any group activities. Oh, oh, man. Wah, wah. I'll miss you, Mom. Wah. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> I need to have some, like, on-call sound effect that I could hit. Oh, wah. Yeah. All right. Well, I'm I, mean, I was saying we should turn this into one of those shows yeah, where we totally. have weird sound effects. All right. I've got one somewhere. Yeah, so it's really... Uh, was I there really, a name? There was a name. Her name is uh, Donna. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, we'll just leave her last name off of there. In case, and you know, we don't, we don't want to return email much. address. Oh, there's a return email address. Yeah, we we thought about it about maybe giving her a response to that, but we'll just let let that one go. But it is good to be getting some feedback, uh, good, bad, or indifferent. There what the? Go. <laughs> there, <laughs> there's, there's our sound effect, the donkey punch. Oh, so yeah, so that's where we are. Sorry, uh, Donna. Let's, let's try it, right? Yeah. All right, come on. Are you gonna keep your? Uh, there we go. Your, uh, yeah, Got it. Up your, uh, your nice thing. Well, Don, I just like to, to let you know that I've really talked with these guys about a lot of the things you've mentioned, and I, I really, I kind of feel the same way you do. But no, not really. <laughs> <laughs> and because of that, I'm never coming back to the podcast. The uh, so yeah, it was it was great to get some feedback. I've got another one I'm going to find here eventually. It's uh, it's a, a pretty good one though. The guy actually has some really good questions, and uh, you guys can entertain the microphones while I'm digging this one up. I couldn't find it right away. Yeah, well, hello, overwhelming silence let going. Me, on. Let me entertain you. <laughs> well, just uh, you know, lead up to the podcast. We uh, Phil brought out the CB750. That's our bike build-off bike. Bike build-off, the Burning River bike build-off bike. It's gorgeous. Uh, at first, it rolled off the truck. I was like, well, this doesn't look too bad and everything. You know, it's it started cool. good. It's all there. It's I mean, a CB750, 1974 CB750. This is this is you could do something with this, and then but, the wrenches came out. Well, then we learned <laughs> uh, the motor's a little bit stuck. Well, a little bit, yeah, a little bit, yeah. a little bit. Stuck. We're, yeah. we're going to call those monkey wrenches, by the way. Okay, that's fine. So, so that's then, what you guys look like. You know, a, a prod at the Kickstarter. No, that's not going to happen. A little bit of PB blaster in the cylinders. Eh, well, 
We don't have enough time to. We don't want to wait for it to soak in for a day or anything. Come <laughs> well, on, come in, on. You know, in, in our defense, we were waiting for Shane. Yeah. So we, we had nothing we else to do. Work on the bike a little bit. You know. So, but two. There's also two. The whole keep the momentum alive. Like, hey, it came off the truck. Let's just NASCAR. Let's do something to it right yeah, now. Let's make something happen right away. But you know. A busted off bolt here. <laughs> and it, yeah, it didn't bust any bolts off. But in puddle of oil on the floor, and oh, yeah, that was the best part of that was uh, them dumping oil all over Dustin's floor. Yeah. That was pretty good. Yeah, that's fine. The oil never leaks out of the cases right where you think it will. That's uh, that's the big one. But unfortunately, the motor's still stuck. But it is marinating in PB blaster. I'm sure it'll just free up. Oh, I'm sure it's just gonna oh, pop right open. Sure. Yeah. There's I think, no doubt. Wait, wait, wait. Shh. <laughs> Is it running right now? <laughs> it's taking it upon itself to. But that does you shut uh, up. That does bring to mind one of the most important things for people when they're disassembling motorcycles is you absolutely positively have to use an impact driver for those screwdriver heads. Mm. When you're taking those cases apart, when you're taking the covers off, if you're not using an impact, uh, you're just gonna round stuff off. Now yeah, they when, didn't strip one. When single. Phil says an impact driver, he doesn't mean an air impact driver, <laughs> or you know, he's talking about the hand hammer style air. The cra- old school, yeah. You know, like you get from Craftsman or, or whoever, where it's you just pound it with a hammer, right? And it applies force, inward force, as it applies rotational force. Yeah. And it's the only thing to take those apart with because they're really soft. I mean, they're they're literally like Velveeta, especially after all these years. Well, and, and every, you're going to round them off. And everybody else's attempt to use right. the wrong right. size the wrong screwdriver. Yeah. Oh, you know what sucks? We're all drinking out of bottles. Yeah, yeah. We did not get a... The, sh- and they're off kachik. Yeah. So anyway, I wanted to read this email oh. to you. We got this from a really nice guy uh, who took the time to write a really good... Uh, his name's Scott McKenna. He's Mud Hustler on Do the Ton and on uh, singleoverheadcam4.net, SOHC4.net. Uh, two great references, by the way, if you're looking at doing... Uh, a single overhead cam four-cylinder motor. Okay, here we go. Hey, all, I've downloaded almost all the podcasts and love them. Thanks for doing such a great job. I'm just a dabbler in motorcycles. I've had a few 70s Hondas that I've probably done more damage to than made better, but that's all going to change. Right now, I've got a running 77 CB750 and a basket case and free 75 CB550. The free part's nice. Mm-hmm. The CB550 will be a cafe racer in the future after I build up my skills. In the meantime, I want to make the 750 into a reliable everyday commuter that can do longer highway trips. I'm using Han Demand's book, which is called My CB750 Book, uh, as a guide tearing down and rebuilding. As a newbie just starting a serious project, I'd like to hear an episode dedicated to how to get into this stuff and how to do it right. Tips on what kind of old bikes are out there that somebody could get into for cheap and make cool bikes out of. What kind of mistakes do you see amateur mechanics making all the time, etc.? Information and encouragement for the enthusiastic amateur, I guess, is what I'd like to hear more of. Thanks for your time, and keep the rubber side down, as my dad likes to say. Sincerely, Scott Mechanic Coon. So there you go. I think that's a really good email, and, and in that one email, he actually gave us a lot of material for a podcast. Right. Oh, Thank absolutely. God. Yeah. yeah. Out. So uh, <coughs> one of the first things I'd like to tear down, I'd like to talk about, is when we talk about people who are doing their first build or people who are jumping into this for the first time, as each one of us has done in our career, there's mistakes that we make, and there's mistakes that we all make. And one of the things that we see a lot of is people that go, okay, all i got to do is have air, fuel, and spark, and I can ride this thing. Right. You know, so that, that's where they focus all their energy on, air, fuel, and spark. That's the great place to start. But a lot of the bikes that come into our shop, uh, those little screws on the carved sink, man, uh, 
if you don't have your carbs synced, the bike's not going to run well at all. And you're going to be a long way from getting all four cylinders to hit. Oh, it's Shane. Shane. And Shane, you get to go find your own chair. I take back everything I said about Shane. No, you don't. No, I don't. Yep. So, Shane, you're not going to stand through the whole podcast. Go find a chair. You're making us nervous. There's one up. We're all right. I was going to sit on like fucking lap. And by the way, I like the way you avoided all the sweaty work. Your team has been tearing bike down. Yeah. There's, there's four of you guys. No, no they're, no, not, they're, on they're not, not on our team. They're not on our team. We didn't team. touch that bike. They didn't touch it. We just no. shouted from they, the side of the pool. They, yeah. they, they swim, hazed swim. Us. Come on. Yeah, they pointed, laughed, and hazed. I'm yeah. sorry. That's probably all Shane yeah. would have done anyway. That's true. <laughs> yeah, that's probably true. Well, you know, if Shane would have been here. Wrong. If Shane hey, would have been here. While you're up, man, you might want to grab me another one of these. That'd be uh, great. Yeah, actually, me too. So yeah, actually, you just grab a round. There's only like three of those left in there. And there's a store right down the street. Cleveland Moto Beer of the Summer is. Summer Shandy. Lena Kugel's Summer Shandy. Line and Kugel's. Aren't you from Pennsylvania? Uh-huh. Uh, you know what? It's pretty uh, It's from Chippewa Falls, Wisconsin. That's right. It's, it's a Dutch beer. Oh, there we go. I have Look at no that. idea. I don't know. <laughs> it's pretty soon going to be Yingling because they're going to distribute that here soon. Yeah, the Yingling and isn't Yingling, that good of a beer. It, I mean, I like shut the I fuck like up. It. I, think I it's like good. Yingling. It's good. You like it because you can't get it here. Right. Bullshit. That's exactly the reason. Oh, and you know what? That brings up another point. Uh, I didn't read the end of this guy's email. P.S. A criticism. If you stopped calling things you don't like gay, I might feel like I could share your podcast with my gay motorcycle enthusiast friends. Just a thought. That's gay. Now, <laughs> oh, man. But I wanted to bring that up before Shane came back in the room because Shane is the absolute, he drops the G-bomb more you know, than anybody else in the world. We all have homosexual friends. Well, yeah, that's the that's the first sign of being a racist. Exactly, James. I have a black friend, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, exactly, but, James. You but, are you are my friend. So yeah, right. that statement that's statement is true. Proof putting in the yeah. pudding right there. That mm-hmm. in yeah. fact, we do have at least Don't one gay, gay friend. People say shit's gay all the time. Like I've met some gay guys. They're like, and black guys drop gay. the n bomb all the time too. But we're not allowed to because we're not. Yeah. All right. Know. Okay. So if that's if that's a, a modicum of respect that we can give. Uh, to not get beat up in a bar. We'll call it Camaro. Camaro is the best term I've ever heard Heard for not dropping the G-bomb. Call it Camaro instead. It worked good for Stefan on his uh, on his website, uh, so the forum. Not to grab a chair, huh? It's really good. I don't know where the fucking chairs are. I, don't, I have no urge to sit. Don't be Camaro. Find a chair and yeah. sit down. You know what? A, you and the Firebirds a, can go fuck off. Such a fucking Camaro. Oh, so, Lord. so anyway, what we're going to do is we're going to have this a podcast has like been this. derailed. It has been derailed. We're going to have a jar, and it's going to be called the Gay Jar. And anytime somebody says the word "gay," we're going to put a dollar in the Gay Jar, and uh, we're going to use all the funds from the Gay Jar to uh, support our uh, Gay Pride Parade that we do every year. We'll make the we'll make the bikes extra pretty for the Gay Pride Parade out of the uh, Gay Jar, the G Bomb Jar. Yeah. Shane's going to be owing that jar a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we don't accept IOU, Shane. He's going <laughs> no, no, to have to work off his, you know, his gay jar. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, so that was our, our thing uh, before Shane walked in. We're going to talk about some of the things that people do wrong on bikes. Uh, but John's got a good point when it comes to the, the carb sinking. Run with that. Uh, yeah, well, first it's important to have clean carbs to start with. Uh, so, like I said before, I've never met a carb that didn't need clean but then, yeah, syncing them up, it can do a lot. Because what happens is if you want have one carb that the slide is open further than the other one, 
then, especially in a rack of four carbs, then that carb is is turning the motor faster, and actually the carb that has the slide lower or closed further is starting to act like a choke. So it's forcing more air fuel into that cylinder oh. when this cylinder is running, you know, faster. So it's actually, it'll do the opposite effect. So if they're not all balanced out evenly, then you have erratic, you know, like this one's never going to run right because this cylinder's pushing the motor forward and this slide is closed. So it's actually being forced to run faster and make more vacuum in that carb, and it's drawing, get, you know, it actually makes that cylinder run rich. And that can lead you into chasing down things that you think are timing problems. Or you think it's an air-fuel mixture problem, okay. or you yep. think it's, a, you know, all, all sorts of different problems. But, you know, and, it, and for what it takes to synchronize a set of carbs, it's not really that difficult. Most people have a hard time wanting to spend the money to buy the tool. Right. Getting a good set of uh, vacuum gauges or, you know, you can get two. There's basically two styles, the mercury-style ones where... Manometer. Yeah, well, well, there's actually three styles. Right. I, I forgot to bring, you know, I've only used two styles. I've never actually used the one that has a little floating ball. But that has some advantages on some bikes. But I can say from using the Mercury one, it never fails that if I'm sinking somebody's bike or working and there's anybody else in the room besides me, as soon as I have them good and I'm like, yeah, this is good, the person walks over, whoa, hits the throttle right. and sucks all the mercury into the motor. <laughs> like, and then when you've got all the mercury in the motor and not in the tubes, well, then you have to buy a new set of Yeah, and then the mercury is like, to buy mercury these days, it's like, well, they want 20 bucks for a refill or something. I guess you can go smash open a bunch of old uh, <laughs> thermostats <laughs> or something like that. Every, every old functioning thermostat. But those are by far the cheaper of the set. You can get those for anywhere from 45 Some of them are like up to 70 bucks. But the better set is the actual four vacuum gauges that actually, and both sets actually come with dampeners in the tube. So when you bust it out of the box and start trying to use it, if they're fluttering all over the place, go back and look at the box and find the little dampeners. And sometimes they're like a jet that goes in the tube or they're a little valve that goes in line with the tubes. But basically it's simple. You hook it up to each of the, the ports on each of the four cylinders or two cylinders, depending, or three cylinders, depending on what Whatever you've got, yeah. And you know you run the bike at around 2,000 RPM, and you'll 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 have each of the gauges, and you can look at the gauges. If one's high is showing high vacuum, then you have to make an adjustment. You'd basically even them all out, and and you'd be amazed at the difference that it makes in the running of your bike. It's it takes so much of the stumble out of the bike, and it helps so much when you're troubleshooting a real problem. Well, I mean, you know the bike's running on four cylinders and everything, and the carbs have been cleaned and everything mm-hmm. like that, but then. To get that final last little bit of crisp throttle response and to not have like that sort of hollow feeling to the bike, you can tell when they're out of sync. It's just not quite quite there yet. And right. and that's the final finishing touch after you've gone through a lot of the other things in your bike. Valve adjustments, the timing adjustments. It's it's one of the last things you actually do, but it, it's the the final touch to really getting a bike running great. Another thing we see a lot of is there are a certain number of adjustments that you need to make to your motorcycle when the motor's warm, and there's a certain number of adjustments you need to make to your motorcycle when the motor's cold. Uh, and make sure you know about that. If you don't have a good service manual, you need to invest in one. If you're poking around with an owner's manual or you're poking around with just what you found online, you're probably not getting the whole story. A lot of people, when they give out information online, they're making a whole lot of assumptions. It's best to have a good service manual and read it thoroughly before you dive in. I uh, well then then the manometer. I haven't. Have any of you ever used the manometer with no. the little floating ball? Yeah, yeah. And that's basically the the thing that I don't like about that, right. and why I probably wouldn't recommend using that is you have to be able to put this little plate over the end of exactly. your carburetor. 
So, but in the meantime, that means you can't have the rest of your intake track no. connected to that carburetor. So, for most part, I would not recommend that unless that's absolutely the only thing you can use or the only thing you have. You have to abort the entire airbox. You have to, and most which I want to tune my bike exactly with the full what I'm going to run. We're tuning it the way we're going to be riding it, right? And to eliminate the airbox as part of the equation, uh, to run a system like that is probably not the best thing. Now, a lot of people will bench sink a set of carbs, and that's great. You should do that. When you're first, you know, if you've if you've cleaned the carbs, you're going to put them back on the bike just to get a baseline to get the bike running. You should bench sink them and look at the slides and, and see where you they are. You can actually just stick four, like three or four popsicle sticks into the carbs, and then when you twist the throttle, all the popsicle sticks should drop at the same time. It gives you a great visual reference so you can actually see what's going on because you can't look down the barrel of four carbs at the same time. Yeah. So if you have popsicle sticks in a line and you just crack the throttles a little bit, they'll all drop at the same time, and that's a good way to zero them in just yeah. to get started. Just I've get done started. it before using a 5.30 seconds drill bit. Yeah, mm. some manuals just, will actually say a drill bit and stuff yeah. like that. You got it. Drop it right in there. So you're going to check two things, though. You want to check the bottom at idle, but then you want to open the rack yep. all the way open and then look and see where they're lining up in top. And, they sh- and all the slides should be just entering the throat, the venturi of the carb at the same time. If one's coming down slower than... Then you have to make adjustments. But well, you want to see when they're pulling too. Mm-hmm. Pull it's it's both ends. You want to right. look at idle. Right. If you're if you're cranking your throttle and you know one of your slides is pulling up, it depends the too. Other, if you're if you're you dealing know. with a, like a twin that has individual idle adjustments on each of the two carbs, Correct. then you have to back those idle adjustments all the way out and then set those up and then go full throttle and then close. If you're dealing with a rack of carbs where all four carbs are linked together with a single idle adjustment, then you know. The same synchronizing that you do at full throttle is going to be the same at closed throttle. Yeah, and they still have individual adjustments for each slide mm-hmm. on the bank. One of the other questions he asked about was you talked about what are some good bikes to use as cafe projects. It sounds like he already hit on a couple. I think of them. He's, I mean, he's he's right there <laughs> with a CB750 and a CB550. He's right where he should be. There's been, uh, you know, for years there was a bike that Honda made a twin called a CB500T. And it just didn't get the kind of love and respect that most of the other Honda motorcycles got. It was the redheaded stepchild. Uh, it didn't come in great colors. It came in kind of one color. It came in uh, brown with a brown, brown with seat. a brown seat. Yeah. yeah, and it had a weird a shape to the side of it. And it was what they actually Honda marketed it as being a British twin, a British style twin. But it doesn't look anything like a British twin to a lot of people. So. There's bikes that just because a bike is a CB doesn't necessarily mean it's a great cafe project. I was watching one recently on eBay because I always want to see those bikes. I'm waiting for the day that a CB500 twin starts to like come into its own and prove everyone wrong. A lot of people have have made some derogatory comments about the CB500T, but I don't think there's been enough of them out there, enough people riding them to really have a foundation for that. yeah, it's kind of like the CB360. A lot of people too, said the same thing about a CB360, yeah. that it was a shit motor. But meanwhile, it's really not a shit motor. It's just a motor I, that people haven't embraced. A bud of mine took a 450 bought. and dropped the 500 in it. Mm-hmm. And I rode that bike, and, and I thought it was great. great. And he's yeah. been riding the crap out of that right. bike. I don't think there's anything wrong with the motor. He has no complaint. Right. So I don't think it's a motor issue. I really do think it's just that the bike wasn't embraced. And Styling. like I said, I love, to, right, love to prove it wrong and see like those things just skyrocketing in value. But the last one I saw on eBay... I think it didn't sell at $800, and it looked really clean. So for an eBay, with a bike with eBay exposure, nationwide exposure, to not sell at 800 bucks, 
Um, that tells me that it's, it doesn't have a market out there. There's nobody well, out there. Let's to get keep that bike. up the uh, the idea that that's just a shit bike. <laughs> Don't buy those. <laughs> Don't buy those. those. Don't buy. Yeah, those. it's like GB500. Yeah. You yeah. should never Don't. buy those. Don't They're never junk. buy yeah. those. They're garbage. Yeah. So if, if you're building a cafe bike out of a 750, should it have all the frame? <laughs> oh, oh, you must have oh, oh, hey. hey. Burning River So apparently yeah. you looked at our project bike. Right. Shane had a look at our project bike because apparently our project bike, somebody else has had the valve cover off before. They've had the heads off. And rather than dropping the motor out, they just thought, well, we'll just saws all the you know bottom two rails the frame of off. Yeah, we'll just, you know. You don't need that. You don't need that. What, what motor really needs five support tubes? Three works great. Three is the perfect number for anything. Sure. So they'll just cut about eight inches of frame out on the gas tank. Nobody will ever see it either because it's under the gas tank. So, yeah, our Burning River bike build-off project bike will be having a trip to the welder. I've seen that on a, a number of bikes, and I'm sure at some no, point... No, we back, have to weld that, dude. some point back in the day, there was an article out where, here's the quick way to get your top end off. Like, right. you, this doesn't matter. These, two, right. These you know, two tubes don't do anything. What is your modified feather bed frame? You can right. just cut those two, exactly. and it doesn't really You only anything. need three rails to hang a motor. We yeah. nickname it Core Sampler. Core Sampler. <laughs> nice. <laughs> yeah, so it is one of those things. It's, it's funny when Dustin pulled the gas tank off, and there's like, oh, well, I guess somebody's been in the top end of this thing before. Mm. Uh, somebody who didn't want to take the time to drop the motor out. So uh, it is kind of funny to when you find stuff like that. And when you're looking at buying bikes, those are always great things to check for. And you know we'll be looking more closely at the ones in the future. But for the, I guess for the spirit of this project, that's perfect. So how do you pull a CB750 motor out? Everybody, I think people cut that off because they don't want to pull the motor out, mainly because they don't think they can lift the motor out of the bike. Right. You but put a mattress on the ground, you unbolt that, it, you lay it on the yeah, ground. Yeah, there's only one way I know of. I, I mean, I, you know, and then you... Same way back in. Right. It's really not that bad. Lay the bike down onto the motor. Vice versa. For the time you took to cut all that off and take right. it apart, you could have pulled out the, you know, disconnected it. I mean, you know, it's, it takes a lot of work, but it's really the way to go. Oh, yeah. Yeah, bench. laying the bike over is the right way to do it. Take it out, bench it, and, and, and do it right. In the motor scooter industry, we see the same thing with people years ago that were can openering the center channel of their Vespas to get at the cables to pull the cables through uh, yeah. because yeah. all the cables run up the center channel. The bike is a monocoque construction, so everything is sealed tube. It's a welded sealed tube, and everything runs up the middle. And there's some sometimes there's some tabs in there that hold cables together when they ran them through them from the factory. And uh, people get frustrated, and they just start cutting holes under the floor mat because, oh, the floor mat's there to hide those holes we cut. Yeah. But it's a monocoque chassis. If you cut a big hole in a monocoque chassis, yeah. it's not a monocoque chassis anymore. <laughs> it's like a sunroof on a 737. It's a bad idea. You know? So they uh, so we see that all the time. And it's just like that's always one of those farmer John Bodges that you you see it and you're like, oh man, why didn't they get a manual? Mm-hmm. If they just would have spent the money and bought a manual. Pull harder. Pull harder, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> or they run the cables on the exterior of the bike. That's always oh, a good yeah, one. I saw, Classic. I saw an Allstate with that where they ran, they drilled holes in the uh, yeah. headset. In the headset? And they ran the cables down wow. on the bike. Oh, that's great. I saw a foot clutch once. I saw the guy gave up on trying to get the, the throttle or the clutch cable up through the tube and through the headset. So he just said, screw it. And he built a foot clutch on the other side of where the brake is. So you're telling me that was easier. Right, exactly. Right. And, and literally welding up a pedal to build a fo- yeah. foot clutch was easier than pulling some cables. I'll but, spend the 100 bucks to drop it off somewhere and say, hey, can you put my cable on that for me? That's Farmers are cool, special though. people. Yeah. Yeah. Farmers are very special people. Uh, so, yeah, that's some of the things that we see when uh, bikes come in. 
the <clears throat> don't spend money on rim don't spend money on tires and tubes if your rims aren't good. Mm-hmm. Um, check your rims out. Just because they're shiny on the outside doesn't mean they're not rotted out on the inside. Yeah, no shit. Uh, we see more and more rims that are held together with rust. Moisture gets in there, and those some of those it stings in there. Yeah, some of those nipples that are holding those spokes in, you turn them a quarter turn and they just disintegrate. And you should always look at that before you go putting a new tube on and spooning on some new tires. Because if your nipples are literally going to break the spokes the first time they turn, <laughs> right? Sorry, I just, I just heard your nipples. Yeah, that's, it, you, you know, that's, yeah. That's the kind of humor that we got an email That we got an email uh, about, oh, okay? I'm, All right. Way I'm, to go. I'm De- sorry, Denise. Way to go and make Denise, us. right? Debbie. 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 So he was asking, Donna. For, Donna. Donna. Sorry, Donna. Donna. He was asking for some advice for, for people new to working on bikes and some, you know, what are common mistakes that new people do one of the things I would say is inevitably when you start working on a part of your bike, you're going to get into it and then you're going to find out you need a part that you don't have. Right. Yeah. And so then you're going to have to wait for a time. Yeah. Now what you do is you don't just drop everything, go in the house, go on eBay, order the part. Make sure you clean up and tag up and <laughs> round up all right. the nuts, fasteners, bolts and stuff because you'd be amazed how hard it is to find <clears throat> some of the right fasteners yeah. for a bike. Losing that one little nut or bolt really does make a big difference. Zip, be yeah. a hoarder. Don't throw anything away. Yeah. And Ziploc baggies. Ziploc baggies yeah. and a Sharpie will save you. And for guys that can't get things back where they belong, take pictures of things. Absolutely. When you take it apart, grab your camera phone, take a picture of it so that when you have to put it back together and later, you know where the long bolts go as opposed to the short bolts. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, My comments on like electrical would be, again, taking pictures sometimes helps you mm-hmm. there. But uh, first two things, always look at a, get a wiring diagram and sit down and look at it for a while before you start working on the bike. Uh, be very careful with your connections. I Anymore, I don't like butt connectors and stuff like that, press-down connectors. If you can solder something and heat shrink it, it's better. If you're trying to diagnose electrical problems, always have a battery te- uh, charger or tender hooked up yeah. to the bike while you're working on it because it's going to kill the battery. And there are situations where, why is my turn signal not blinking? Well... Because I've had the bike sitting here on for four hours ago, your battery died. Yeah. All right. So you know things. But there's not enough voltage in that battery anymore to throw throw the relay for the turn signal flashers. What are the things that uh, I always do with the bolts? And this is something that uh, I carried over from just disassembling computers and all Mm -hmm. that. Because you know I've done a lot of computer tech work. Is I. Shut the fuck up. Uh, hey, yeah, yeah. you know what? Get closer to the microphone mm. when you want to call me a nerd. Nerd. Yeah, Thanks. Cock. We, mm. We'll get an email about that, too. That's We probably will. Well, you saying nerd, me saying cock, whatever. Oh, really? <clears throat> but anyway, well, uh, what I used to do was I would I would take a strip of, with the computers, I would use masking tape. Sure. But with motorcycles, I use duct tape. Right. I'll lay down a strip of duct tape. Right. And as I pull the bolts out, I have a specific, you know, clockwise pattern right. that I always take and I lay them onto the duct tape. Right. So they stick on. Sure. And then when I'm done pulling the bolts out of that specific area, right. I'll lay another strip of duct tape on top. Okay. And then I have my left to right. Right. I know what went on And they're first. sealed in. They're going yeah, nowhere. They're sealed in. Yeah. They're in the duct tape. And then they go in my parts box. Yeah. And the magnetic parts trays, those magnetic parts trays are so cheap mm-hmm. and they work so good 
and you can stick it right to your gas tank or right to the frame and of your you bike. you can't have too many of them. No, I just buy them. Every time I yeah. go to Harbor Freight, I buy five or six of them. Right now I have yeah. one, and yeah. I wish I had ten. No, they're just, I keep one in my toolbox, and every time I, I do another job, I just... One of my tips is, too, is, I mean, if you don't do the duct tape thing, if you just have a handful of bolts and stuff... I always lay them all out before I go to reassemble. So, mm-hmm. and then you either start from longest to shortest with not. So, if you put the short one in, and it doesn't grab. You know, it doesn't go in that hole. Then you put the long one in, and it's too far out. You know, you know the, right. the duct tape just, every... just kind of sets it up for it. That's yeah. great. Yeah, I mean, I like you know, that. like, I mean, I would for for me personally. I mean, I it's for every every pocket. person. Right. You just start at one point. I always start at like the nine o'clock point. That means nothing's inside. As long as we've got some left over, that means there's none in the bike. (laughs) There's nothing in the motor. If you have a few left over, that's the other philosophy I have. If I'm I'm missing something in the end, I've got a little change left over. Well, uh, John, a little bit something. What about those rubber plugs in the top of uh, overhead cam motors? Oh, well. (laughs) (laughs) What about those? No, you got to make sure they're there. Uh, Those are kind of important. (laughs) We see more and more of these motors coming in without these little rubber bungs in there. Yeah. And uh, they'll put the they'll put the covers back on, uh-huh. and those little suckers aren't there. Yeah. And then what happens? Where does the oil go? Everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, if there was a rubber plug in your motor anywhere, and you took it apart, and it was behind like your say your points cover or something like that, mm-hmm. it wasn't just there to keep things quiet. Yeah. And it wasn't there to keep the mice from running around or the bugs from running around. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's actually there for a reason, and even though it doesn't, it's not special. It's not doesn't have a shoulder on it, and it doesn't have an O ring built into it, and there's no nut or bolt holding it in. Well, you're t- like you're talking about like the three fifties and the three sixties, yeah. where they have the little plugs on the end of the cam, right in the end of the right. cam. And, yeah. and you, you look at it, and you're like, "What's that doing? It's not really doing anything." But what you realize is that when you put the points plate on, it's holding those plugs in right. and keeping oil from coming out of your motor and onto your points. <laughs> so. Right, and a lot of times we'll take a look at a bike that comes in and we'll see oil actually weeping out of the gasket on the points cover and there's not supposed to be oil there mm-hmm. <laughs> and when you see oil weeping out of the gasket the, the wet point system the wet point system yeah. yeah when you see oil weeping out of the gasket on the points you have a problem uh, the, you know there's a tech tip what do you what do you clean your points with i like to use starting fluid it blows off all the oil dries it off really well right and then evaporates away. It right. doesn't it's eat gone. paint. It doesn't. Yeah. It's a very good way to get rid of oil and clean things up without you know damaging anything. Right. The best way to clean your points is actually to put new points in. Right. That's <laughs> yeah. my theory. <laughs> Nine times out of ten, yeah. they're probably shit anyway. They're not real expensive. Points no. are still really available, and they're and still how many really times cheap. Have you sanded down points and cleaned them up and said, "Man, those look great." Right. They're still, they're still awful. They're still awful. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's awful. it's amazing what it takes to make a set of points not work. Right. If you sand yeah. the points, yeah. you need to clean the points afterwards. Right. Run a piece of cardboard oh, or paper yeah. through them because that little bit of grit that's still left in there will not let it make contact. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Points are one of those things that when you, have to, when you have to do a roadside repair, and when that is your troubleshooting at that point, you're actually saying, let's check these points, let's run something between them, uh, the old cigarette foil thing, uh, whatever you're doing. That's the only time you should be working dirty around points. Mm-hmm. One grain of sand in between your points, and that bike's not going to run. It's yeah. not going to run. Yeah. All right. So I'd say we're we kind of hammered that one into the ground. All right. Current events time. The biggest current events is while we were on our break, we wanted to have a beer and smoke break, and that completely seized Honda CB750 that we rolled in earlier on is no longer completely seized. 
apparently about 45 minutes with the PB blaster down the cylinders and finding the right wrong tool <laughs> to hook to the rotor was exactly and and 225 pounds of man meat bouncing up and down on it, uh, it was, was enough not to, my penis <laughs> was enough to get it to uh, was enough to get it free but the classic moment that we should have shot video for was when uh, Dustin and Shane were both pushing the bike backwards and forwards because we did manage to get it into fifth gear manually. And I'm sitting on the thing to give it weight on the back tire. <laughs> we rocked that thing back and forth about 40 times and couldn't make a, couldn't make a millimeter of movement in the crank. Mm-hmm. But we did eventually get the right tool on the end of the rotor, and it did, uh, it did free up. So we no longer have a completely seized motor. Yeah. We now have a nice, happy, rotating motor. We're back in the running. We are back in the hunt. How's that make you feel, James? (laughs) Oh, I'm scared. Yeah, James, you should be really scared right now, man. You should be. Yeah, that's it. So that's that feeling of of accomplishment that you get when you go out in your garage and you you started with something that was really getting you down, and you have that kind of aha moment. Now, there will be a hundred other things that get us down that we're... As we move along in this project, aha moment. <laughs> I fucking hate that. No, it wasn't an aha moment. He squealed like a girl. I did. He did. <laughs> oh, it was an aha. Like he did. A bunch of chick band. <laughs> <anyways>. <laughs> yeah, he. Yeah, that was, was taking oh, on me. Though. So bad. <laughs> band band. Take me on. <laughs> Take me on. <laughs> I thought something broke. <laughs> when he did. said that, I thought I was literally about to get hurt because I thought the bike was coming over or something weird was going to happen. I, I, that would have been me if I went. <laughs> <laughs> James James kept making suggestions that he knew would result in us breaking something expensive. Just as I, I was digging in my pocket looking for money to bet that that crank would never ever turn again. <laughs> Should have waited a little bit, sandbagged, Dang. maybe Dang. got a bet out of him. Yeah. I'm broke. So that is one of the. But uh, we did have an interesting thing. We realized that our uh, the Burning River. Uh, Mods vs. Rockers is going to be the same exact day as the uh, Cleveland, what is that, the Choppers Car Club. Car car Culture. The Madison Madison Car Car Culture Show. So it's the same exact day. So it's going to be a really, I mean, an event-rich weekend in Cleveland. So whether you be into old cars or whether you be into old motorcycles or both... There's going well, to be the, the car culture. Car, car, yeah, car culture club always has fucking old bikes over there too. Yeah, well, I think this yeah. is going to be the. I think Still this is going to be the guys always have old bikes over there. Yeah, I think it's going to be the best tie-in we're ever going to see because you know for the length of Lakewood, basically, it's all gearhead heaven. Yeah, for the entire length of Lakewood. Well, and those guys are literally just right down the street from right. where yeah. Mods and Yeah. So if you're thinking about coming out for the Mods and Rockers event, that might be a good push to come out and see some more old cars too. And that event, I will say that that car culture show has gotten way huge. Oh, it's, I mean, it's been we big watched for it years. grow, yeah. but it used to be ten blocks long, mm-hmm. and now it's at least twenty blocks long, and they shut the whole street down, so it goes way from one end of Lakewood to the other. It's really impressive. And then to be able to have the motorcycle thing going on at the same time, the Mods versus Rockers, I think that's going to be a great pull for anybody who wants... If you were thinking about coming in from out of town to see Mods versus Rockers, well, now you got a whole other pull. I mean, in some of yeah. the cars and the, the restorations last year in the car show were fantastic, and I love the fact that guys are bringing out more rat stuff, too. It's great to see these old vans coming out and these old pickup trucks. Uh, coming out and they're just lightly resurrected. Mm-hmm. Or the rat rods are great too, where it's got a great motor living under the hood, but from the outside it's all still a real good patina. Yeah. So it's nice to see that stuff happening. The uh, 
when we look at some of the events coming up, you guys definitely want to look at your calendars and get that AMA uh, Vintage Days. I just got an invite to AMA Vintage Days <laughs> on Facebook today, which is kind of funny. Good uh, old Neil. But Neil did invite us to uh, AMA Vintage Days. Yeah. But that's good, though, because that's the kind of thing we talked about bringing technology in. And that's going to be what gets more people to events. Having folks tell me, oh, man, I didn't even know about AMA Vintage Days a month after it happened. And that kind of sucks because you know they would have loved it if they made it out. And that is a great event. So get uh, get that on your calendars as well, AMA Vintage Days. Because that's always, uh, was that the third weekend in July, I think? It, uh, yeah, it yeah. is. So third weekend in July, make sure you get that on your calendars and come out. We are doing the... Uh, the $500 challenge. So get, you know, if you ever thought about buying a $500 motorcycle, you're never going to find a more target-rich environment than AMA Vintage Days. Every shape and size of project bike is there, and every part you need to complete that project is there, too. You just have to be willing to go and look at a lot of stalls. You have to be willing to go and look at a bunch of those tarps and find the parts you need. Mm -hmm. Because I couldn't believe... I'm walking away from a guy's tarp with a $25 gas tank that I know sells every day on eBay for 200 bucks. Right. What's your strategy? Walk it or ride it? Oh man, I'm all about you got to walk it. You got to be able to spend the time mm-hmm. because when you ride it, if you're on if you bring a little 100cc bike or a 50cc bike, it's it's nice cuz you can cover a lot of ground real quick. But you tend to miss the stuff. And if you're really looking for a particular part, you got to get in there and it's pretty fantastic. These guys bring out booths uh, they do these shows as a job, and so they'll bring out shelving. And in their booth, they'll have shelving, and they'll have <coughs> thousands of parts up off the ground, but you got to dig through the shelves to see the stuff. Maybe you have to dig through a pile, but you start getting into a pile of fenders and gas tanks that you recognize. The parts you need are going to be in that pile, and you're going to be able to get them cheap, way cheaper than anybody's ever seen on eBay. Yeah. So that's the great place to resource that thing you need that you've been looking for or to just go there and say, okay, I don't have a bike yet. It's a perfect opportunity to wheel and deal and come out with a bike that you're going to spend less than $500 on. Right. As far as technical references go, you're never going to find more technical references in one place than the guys that go to AMA Vintage Days. So if you need to ask a question, go to the guy that's got 15 Yamaha XS650s in front of his truck. He's going to have the answer for you, or he's going to tell you where to get the answer. Uh one of the nicest resources there are the guys that sell the keys. If you are if you have a motorcycle and you're missing keys for it, you can take the information from your bike there, and there's guys that have thousands and thousands and thousands of just keys. I'd the like key- to see that happen. What Phil's bajaj. talking about is the key code. If right. you have a key and you look at the key, like with the Hondas, it's T and then a four-digit number. Right. It's on the key, but it's also on the bolt or the lock, and you can take that number. Uh, Honda, most of the Japanese manufacturers only made like about 100 sets right, exactly. for all the bikes that they sold. So you can go and you can get a full to... set of keys for 20 bucks, and then you won't have to spend a lot, pay the money for a locksmith to rekey your whole bike. That was the uh, CB160 I got for the Burning River bike build off. I just I took the ignition and I uh, took it to our locksmith and. He made me a set of keys for it. That's and excellent to have a locksmith that'll cut keys right. through the key code. Yeah. And that really is that's a, a dying. That's a dying. That's a dying breed. breed it was, yeah, it was only like one or two people who were still doing that. Right. Place in Illyria does it. I can't remember the name. Right. This place in Illyria does that. I, I can't remember the name off the top of my head. I think it's uh, Young's locksmith or something like that. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's There's the funniest thing. I mean, I've got my BMW. My BMW. The only key I have for it is the BMW 
headlight ignition key, which they were all the same. Mm-hmm. But meanwhile, my key for the seat, my key for the you know column lock, all that stuff, I'm going to have to go and have somebody help me out with those because BMW didn't number them the way Honda did. Did you get to watch him do it? Did he print out like a note card thing and then cut it out? Uh, yeah, that's how he does it. That's, wow, that's pretty. That's pretty cool. So they yeah. take like he's got card like a, he's stock. He's got a and database and. Okay, good for you. That, I mean, that's that's a that's huge Cuyahoga locksmith in Lakewood. In Lakewood, okay. So if you guys are Cleveland listeners, that's a great place. If you don't have keys for your bike, to go there because there's obviously an artist in there that knows his craft. The uh, we've been working more with some of the seats, and we've sent some of our customers down to uh, Rayco to have seats made, and the stuff that's coming out of there is beautiful. And the guy is one of the nicest guys. He just really enjoys what he does. He loves building seats for you. So if you have a, uh, a bike that you want to do a custom seat on, there's a great local resource. And if you're not listening to this in Cleveland, check out your upholstery shops. Check out the guys that build seats for boats and things like that. Uh, there's probably a resource in your town that you're walking right past. You don't necessarily need to buy a three or $400 seat off of eBay or a you know, multi-hundred-dollar Corbin-type seat, you may be able to go to one of your local uh, craftsmen and have something made for your bike that's going to make you happy because it's going to be to your design. And it'll be one of a kind. And yeah. it will be one of a kind, and that's really cool. Some of the stuff we've seen come out of there is just brilliant. Hey, I had our good friend Russ Kelly Thorne make my seat. And he did a hell of a job, he too. He did a hell yeah, of a it's job. It's gorgeous. Seat. Yeah. So, well, he's also done a couple other seats for other people, too. Yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, really well. a couple of guys I know said, hey, we need seats. We love your seat. It's great. And I'm like, we'll call this guy. And that is, I mean, that's a critical element to building a cafe racer. It seems to be that the seat is a vital component. And when you go and your only source is buying a fiberglass pan or a metal pan off of eBay, well, there's still a lot of work that needs to be done at that point once you purchase that pan. Uh, it's a lot of fun to take your existing seat pan that has the hinges on it, that has the lock in the right location, that works the way you want to when you want to get to your battery, and then have that covered in a style that you like. So you can get the Cafe Racer look without resorting to something that's you know Velcroed on or, you know, Held on with bailing wire and duct tape. The perfect hump. I mean, when you look at the number of seats that are out there on eBay for any given, you know, bike or anything, and each one of them is different. Right? Some are tapered a little more. Some, are, you know, like right. they're very the different. Perfect hump is like the elusive. Yeah, creature. it's hard to find that seat that just fits you just perfectly. And uh, another thing, when you're looking at it, is rear sets. Uh, I'm glad to see that a lot more people out there are fabricating rear sets. Because rear sets were always a mishmash. There were a few guys out there building them that were charging big money for them. And then there was the method of going on eBay and getting a set of rear sets off of a more modern sport bike. And then, you know, sort of rigging them to work on your bike. And Been there. <laughs> right. And we've all done it. I mean, we've all yeah. built rear sets out of things that weren't really appropriate for our bike. And Dustin recently had a set done. And the set he was running on his bike were... You know, necessity is the mother of invention. It, they were really high. I couldn't ride his bike because I'm too tall, and it put my feet way too up high under my butt. Now, he had a, a guy that built him a set of sets that is so nice because they mount lower where they should be. And now the bike is a lot more comfortable, and I think you could probably get a lot more leverage on the, bar, on the pegs, too, when you're riding it. Absolutely, yeah. And I the mean, craftsmanship 100%. was fantastic. Yeah, he, so, he did a great job. There's a... So I want the kit where you, that. I want the kit where you just pull the pin out of the rear passenger pegs and slide it in, put the pin in, and it already has everything. <laughs> it already has the linkages. You you know what, John? That is basically 
what that, this guy made. That's totally right. what it is. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's it's basically what he made. He he sat there with the. CD. All you have to do is make the rod. You know? Yeah, he right. made he made the. No, he made the rod too. Yeah, he made the rod too. Yeah. Well, I, the, the rod thing. I mean, that stops a lot of people, but that's really not hard. You can get a left hand thread for any size metric right. that you want. M six through M. 20, you know. Well, no, true. I mean, I, I helped the guy out. Uh, he was having a hard time with the brake side. Mm-hmm. And uh, I ended up making my own rod for the brake side mm-hmm. and threading that, you know, and I just took a, you know, a die kit and threaded the rod and right. got that all set up. And, it's good know. stuff. It's better than going to Harbor Freight and buying a couple of turnbuckles and, you know, modding absolutely. something together out of yeah, yourself. Absolutely. Uh, or, you know, bending pieces of metal into strange shapes. So the thing gives you like a third of the brake travel you would have originally had. <laughs> Which is what I did before. And you do want to keep in mind, a lot yeah. of your bikes that are going to run drum brakes on the back, your drum cam on most motorcycles, in the back, the brake actuating lever will work pushed or pulled. It's oh, still going to yeah. spread on most bikes. It's still going to spread the shoes. Yeah. Well, or you can flip it over, too. Exactly. Flip you, it over you backwards. You take the arm from down to the up position. Exactly. Okay, it's the same yeah. thing. Yep. Yeah. And you, you have to do that internally, though. You have to flip the, the whole buckle inside. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So it hooks up to the actuator. Because a lot of times, going in the stock configuration or having that arm hang down the way it came from the factory may not work for you with your rear sets. Because you're moving the rear sets, usually you're moving them up and back. And by flipping that lever over, it's going to give you that kind of action you need as opposed to having some ridiculous, you know, long thing that's bent 26 directions like John's penis. Uh, <laughs> I said it was long. I said it, I gave you the benefit of the doubt. All right, all right. So, yeah, that's one of the things you, hey, you, know that that you have to watch out for. you know email person is, you know, they're going to be pissed again. No, it's fine. We didn't We're say. We're pretty sure she's not listening anymore. Well, yeah, I would. Okay. I would hope that's at this true. point. Yeah, she's probably, absolutely probably checked not. out. She's checked out of the podcast. She's not playing. <laughs> she is still I don't know. Listening. If she hears about John's penis again, though, she might be I, back in. I don't know. She's probably mad because she loves it. I sat she through every disgusting it. second of this footage four yeah. times. <laughs> yeah. That's like kind of like saying like I watched that porno right. three. all the way through. Right. Because it was so horrible and, and demeaning. That, that's one I up on women. me. I tried Coke once. <laughs> five years. <laughs> For five, five years. years. Right. Hey. The, uh, but getting out to uh, getting out to some of the events, if you do get a chance, uh, get your schedule together. Because I know that most people have jobs that don't allow them to just take days off here and there. So make sure you do take a look at your calendar and see what's available. Pick up a copy of Cafe Racer Magazine. They do a good job of getting the events in yeah, there. Pick up a copy of next month's Cafe Racer Magazine and see our awesome... You there know, you go. Oh, that's right. We got Cleveland some new artwork, mods. didn't we? Yeah, the Cleveland Mods. And yeah, we actually have like a really cool piece of artwork that people are going to be proud to have on a T-shirt. Is that the one with your phone number? Yeah, it's the one no. with James' phone number on it. It's going to be on the T-shirt. <laughs> James' phone number is going to be right on our T-shirt. <laughs> it should be. From now on, James' phone number is going to be on everything we do. Yes, cool. Yeah, you know, I thought that was cool, but I never, ever, I never ever pranked him, so <laughs> it's you, not, it's not really all that funny. You just couldn't follow through, could you? No, I right. could. You didn't have the motivation. I was gonna want to be like, "Hey, James, what's going on?" Mm. <laughs> Are lowbrow customs doing that thing they did last year? I know, pretty. Oh, what about the party? The whole shot. shot. Yeah. They do a lot of events throughout the year, so you'd have to really look at their website and see what they're doing. Yeah, I want to do more with I them. I kind of wanted to go to that, but my yeah. buddy backed out on me in the last minute. Kind of Who was that? Oh. You, guys you like have a friend? You have a buddy? Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Somebody backed out on John. That's too bad. Guys, he did. Usually they're what a jerk. into John. Uh, he's a total fucking Camaro. He's a Camaro. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Let's go back. <laughs> That's a callback. <laughs> 
the uh, when you're we've actually been able to go out and do some riding. I know that these podcasts drop a little bit late, so uh, you know, giving weather updates is Thanks. foolish. That's not your fault. We had you know what we had an ample supply of podcasts in the can, so uh, that's so that's said. good. <laughs> but the uh, <laughs> oh man, that's a lazy way out. That's what she said. Oh, we're getting emails. Oh man, that's lazy. Get uh, bash gate and talk about it in the can. But it was actually pretty good because the other night I was I had to go out to the east side for dinner with uh with my folks, and uh, while I was going out, I saw a gaggle of like nine guys riding, and they were all riding cool old vintage bikes at the same time, and uh, it was just a good group of guys riding on the east side together. And what were you on? Uh, I was unfortunately I was in the Honda Element with my wife going to have dinner with my mom. So oh, <laughs> didn't have anything. Yeah, <clears throat> didn't have anything really cool at all to add <laughs> to the conversation. But it was great to see him coming the other way. And I was like, oh, that's it is officially summertime because guys are riding in t-shirts and no helmets on, flip flops and crap like that. Mm-hmm. So uh, it was one of those ones where you go, oh yeah, it's summertime, and it was cool to see that. But the funny part was right after I saw that group of about nine guys. Maybe, and this, is, of course, is on East Shoreway. So after I saw the group of nine guys, I saw about, uh, I think, 40 guys on crotch rockets. And they were probably from, you know, that 200-mile-an-hour club or whatever. They were, uh, <laughs> but they were all wearing their bulletproof vest carriers with the patches on them and stuff. And, yeah, they were all uh, on, sporting the, uh, sporting the uh, sport bikes with the girls with the thongs showing and stuff. So uh, nice. the, whale yeah, the whale tails are out. The whale tails are in season. Yes. It must be summertime in Cleveland. Although I did this, this is probably going to get us in trouble too. I did pull up behind a guy in a, an hour early today with open fucking pipes. Yeah. He is, is riding fucking uh, like athletic shoes, shorts, cut off shirt. He's riding a Harley, <laughs> open pipes. A cutoff shirt, really? Yeah, go figure. Wow. And I, I pull up behind him, I see his license plate, it says Warthogs Motorcycle Club. Oh, oh. God damn it. Wait, so he's a police officer in a yes. cutoff shirt and athletic yeah. shoes. No helmet, no regard. One of the, like, last Sunday, I think it was, Merritt and I went out for a big ride, and she was riding the GB500, and I was riding the BMW500. So you just let having... her ride that? She rides it all the time. Oh, no way. Yeah. Well, your SV didn't start. Yeah, the SV so, yeah. for sale. <laughs> <laughs> uh, honestly, I made the mistake of pulling the battery tender off the SV and put it on something else, and I didn't remember it. So I went out and I gave the SV like four or five good solid starts, and it kind of had that like, oh, I'm not going to happen thing. And so uh, <laughs> so I was like, I'm not going to dick around with this. Just jump on the GB because the GB is good to go no matter what. Kick start, go have fun. And so we were riding around having a great time. And we saw this guy, and he's, you know, this guy's your typical, I'd say maybe mid-50s, probably a, a, a 80-pack beer gut. <laughs> but he's wearing a pair of shorts that can only be described as Daisy Dukes. And he's... Come bent, on, or gym baby, teacher. Yeah, gym teacher. Days. Exactly. Yeah, they're cut, off, they're cut off jeans. He's got no shirt on. He's out in front of his house polishing his Harley. And when he heard our bikes... And when, frankly, when he heard the GB500, because you can't hear the BMW, <laughs> but when he heard the GB500 coming, he he actually stopped his work. He stood up, mm-hmm. turned to us, and waved and gave us a big old wave. Yeah. I was like, 
That is a man who's excited to go ride his motorcycle as soon as he gets done spending four hours cleaning it. Yeah. And or, or he was cleaning it after he just got done riding it for two miles. For two miles, right. No, I could tell yeah, I could tell he had the look like he was gonna go out soon <coughs> and pray to God he put some pants on before he goes out and does that run. <laughs> and maybe his shirt too. Because all he's doing out there is lowering the value of his neighborhood. Right? Because the neighbors are looking out the picture window going, Wow, it sure is nice out and oh Bob's got his shirt off. Oh shit. Yeah. Uh yeah, it's like when Discovery you just Channel it is. yeah, you don't let your kids out in the yard at that point, you know, because yeah, he's gonna be like, oh, you know, I got some change in my pockets, but there's <laughs> one of those pairs of shorts where the pockets are hanging out the bottom of the shorts. He, sits, you know? he sits down, spreads his legs. Oh, those kind of shorts aren't even. They're the cutoff pocketed women, sweatpants. Okay? <laughs> the cutoff pocketed sweatpants. The tr- the sign you've truly given up. The uh, uh, but it was something. I was like, oh, and it's the first really fat. You know, polishing Harley guy of the season, too. But it was fun that we did go out and we did have a really good ride on the bikes. And that's always when I get back to the garage and, and Merritt always looks at me and goes, you know, I really like that GB. And I go, why? She goes, it's so light. It's so easy to ride. It's effortless and it's fast. And I go, yeah, it really is. And don't think it's yours. Don't ever think that it's yours. <laughs> Don't ever make the mistake. And she's already setting me up because tomorrow I got to work, go to work, but she's got stuff doing with her friends. And she's like, you know, I'm going to ride something tomorrow. Tomorrow's going to be, it's going to be nice. And I'm like, yeah, between, you know, between monsoon thunderstorms, it's going to be beautiful. And she's like, yeah, but I'm, I'm thinking I don't need to have a bunch of stuff with me tomorrow. So I think I'm going to ride something. So tonight she went out in the garage and she fired up the SV. Uh, and so when I was loading the Darrow. So that's why the GB's been hiding at the shop? Yeah. <laughs> she, she, she had an inkling that she liked it. So you rode it into the shop and it's been there for a week? <laughs> hiding it. Today when I put the BMW up on the center stand, I was like, oh, this is a heavy bike. Oh, it's really hard to put up on the center stand. Oh, it's got that tricky side stand that folds up when you take the load off of it. Because I know she's gonna. it's only going to be a matter of time until she sneaks the BMW out, too. So uh, it's great to have a wife that rides. It's really cool. But the uh, the funny thing is when she starts eyeing up all your bikes going, yeah, that's... that's Do you have to readjust all the mirrors? Every time my wife drives my car, she adjusts all oh, the yeah. mirrors. The first thing. Yeah. Like, oh. Well, the problem is with my wife, because she rides that Suzuki all the time. Mm. So she doesn't need to remember fine C, mm. okay? Right. Whereas guys who ride vintage bikes, man, they got fine C down to a science. And so she jumped on the GB, and she gave it a couple of kicks, and it didn't start over for her. And I was like, what's the matter? You know, it's getting better of you. It's kind of making you look real stupid. <laughs> and she goes, well, and I looked at her, and I said, fine, see. And she goes, I did. And I looked over, and she was pulling the clutch. Well, modern bikes, you got to pull the clutch, right? <laughs> well, you pull the clutch on a kicker, and it's not going anywhere. <laughs> so I said, no, honey, the C on this one stands for choke. And she goes, oh, I forgot. And I'm like, you haven't ridden vintage bikes in long enough time. You've been too long off a vintage bike. So she's already got her eyes and stuff. And I know Renee's got her eyes on that CB200 at the shop. Yeah. She's already kind of went over and claimed that. Yep. Need to get her right. Wiped her nuts on it. <laughs> Mine. Mine. Yeah, I put that thing up on I put that thing up on Craigslist for a minute. She goes, really? You're going to sell it for that much? And I went, well, you yeah. know. And she goes, well, I want it. And I go, well, if you want it. Let's just let's just build it for you. You know, let's just let's just do it for you so you can have a bike to ride. Yeah, John. What's up with that? It's not I mean, you know what? Let's mm-hmm. make her build it. I that's what there I've been go. telling her. I've yeah. I've been like, let's make her when build it. When are you gonna roll that C B two hundred back here? I can give you pointers. What do you need to know? I mean we'll I, give her a lift. Go for it. We'll pull the super hawk off a lift and put the C B two hundred up on a lift. <laughs> <laughs> 
mean that super hog is actually coming off the lift? I've been told that it's like 20 minutes away from being finished. It really is. <laughs> is that the Ryan Foltz uh, right. school of time? <laughs> it only needs like two more things. It only, it's only two more things. And it's, you know, you can ride it right now if you want to. Yeah. If you really want to, go take it for a ride. It's fine, you know, but... But yeah, you I can't would drive stop. This thing to Texas and back. Ah. Right. <laughs> you just don't have to stop. Yeah. That's all. <laughs> oh, that's so bad. <laughs> uh, first thing tomorrow morning. That bike first thing tomorrow morning. That bike's getting <laughs> done. <laughs> that bike's getting done. <laughs> oh, that's coming down. I can't. I can't get beat up like this anymore. Well, all right, guys. Well, it's been another exciting adventure uh, here in the forty-five garage basement studio. Why are you still listening? And especially if you're in another country. Well, we know Don is not still listening. Right, exactly. So we're just fat Americans (laughs) being assholes. Don't ever follow our example, please. You know, just take those motorcycles and throw them in the garbage. We come around on Monday. (laughs) (laughs) All right, guys. To the U.S. Have a great night. Thank you for listening to Cleveland Moto. If you have comments or topic suggestions, you can leave them at our blog at www.clevelandmoto.blogspot.com or visit our website at www.clevelandmoto.com.